0: Heavenly Father, as we light this second candle of peace, we don't want to just blow by it. Lord, so often we all lose our inner battles of peace. So God, this morning, no matter what, I pray that we would get peace from God, have peace with God, and walk out of here today with the peace of God. In Jesus' name, amen. A long time ago, there was a man... Who wanted to have a contest? He wanted to see if there was an artist that could paint the a picture that would be known as that would that would sort of illustrate peace. He had had a bunch of other things. He's like, I'd like to get a picture that would illustrate peace. And so he went out there and he had a big contest with all of these artists to see if the artist could draw uh, something that would have peace. Now. The painting that most of the people liked was a lot like this slide here. Uh, It was a sort of a, you know, you can almost not even see where the shoreline begins there. It's so perfect. But uh, it was kind of a mirrored lake with calm water. I mean... How many people probably have something like that as their screensaver? They have something like that on their desktop or the wallpaper for their phone, right? You just look at a scene like that, and many of you right now, you'd love to jump right into that picture and just be sitting by that peaceful lake, you know? No doubt about it, this is a great picture of peace. But then an artist came up, and he wanted to win the contest. There was a prize to this contest. An artist came up and said, I believe I have the winner. He painted a vastly different picture. This one is, it's zoomed in so you can't see it altogether. But behind this bird who's calmly nesting in a nest over her chicks, behind this bird is a raging waterfall. And if you look to the left, I apologize, it zoomed in a little too much when I caught the photo on the internet there's dark gloomy clouds with storm and lightning and all of this you know sort of tumultuous waterfall cascading down upon the rocks and a small tree kind of cling. you can't see it again in zoom but a small tree clung to the rocks at the edge of the falls and on one of the branches a little bird had built a nest and here was the interesting thing about the bird The bird is content and undisturbed even in the midst of the stormy surroundings. She rested on her legs, her eyes rolled over, and her wings ready to protect. You see, she manifested peace that transcends all earthly turmoil. Sure, I'd love to jump into the picture with the lake and the calm lake and everything like that. But you know what the problem is? That's a moment in time. That's not real life. That's, we go on vacation and maybe we find that for a second. But the picture you're seeing right now, that's real life. How do we find peace with the waters raging around us, with the storm clouds raging around us, with the lightning and the booming and all the, all the storms of life raging around us? This guy, he won the contest. Because the sponsor of the contest said, now that is the most realistic version of peace right there. That bird, content and undisturbed, clinging to a tree that's growing out of the cleft of a rock while the thunderous water and gloomy clouds lay overhead. You see, true peace can be experienced amid the chaotic When we recognize that peace is not in our circumstances, peace is in God's faithfulness to us. Since the year 3600 B.C., our world has known only 292 years of peace. Think about that for a moment. During this period, there have been 14,531 wars. That's a lot of wars. We, we... (laughs) We are warlike people. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I'm not saying us personally, but we and humanity, since 3600 BC, we are warlike people. We have killed off 3.6 billion human beings because of war. To put it this way, for every thir- for every one year of peace we've had, 13 years of war. When I look at statistics like that, I think to myself, humanity is broken humanity has problems we don't like to admit it because maybe we're not that problem you know we're we're not going to war we're not beating people up we're not doing all of these things but the fact of the matter is this is an exaggerated you know uh, this is an exaggerated portrayal of something that is indicative to all of us we live lives and we struggle for peace Because so often we lose our inner battles and give in to worry and fear. We may not always be at war or fighting with people, but the lack of peace is still one of the number one things I hear from people when they talk about their struggles in life. In the Old Testament, the Old Testament is filled with wars and lack of peace. In fact, it was filled with it so much that they were constantly crying out for some king or some judge or some military champion to come and save them. Isaiah, in the ninth chapter, he writes this beginning in verses 6 and 7. Obviously, we think of these verses in terms of Christmas. But for Isaiah, this was his champion to come and free Israel from all of their endless wars and threats to their freedom. It says here beginning in verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Amen? That should be a big amen after that one. (laughs) And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. But more importantly for today, the Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and his peace, there will be no end. In a field outside of Bethlehem there was a group of shepherds who were watching their flocks at night. You know the story well. You know what's coming, right? The angels come and they start talking to these shepherds. Now, typically, when we think of the shepherds in the Christmas story, we kind of think about these, you know, cute little boys or harmless little teenagers that are dressed in fine clothes and perfect staffs and, you know, have these nice sheets wrapped around them. But the fact of the matter is the shepherds of the ancient Near East The shepherds of the Middle East, they were anything but cute. These were some of the lowest of the low in Jewish society. They were a nomadic group, and they lived off the grid, and they were anything but peaceful. Let me say it again. Shepherds were anything but peaceful. They were the bruisers of their day. They fought off wolves, they fought off bears, they fought off lions and wild animals. They fought off poachers, they fought off thieves. You didn't sign up to be a shepherd so you could bounce your staff on the behind of a little sheep all day. You si- they, they hired you as a shepherd so that you would kill or be killed when it came to poachers or wild animals or anybody trying to come and ruin that sheep rancher's investment in the sheep. these were tough guys you might even call them thugs they're bruisers they're the they're the beaters they're the beat down they're the collectors of their day but most importantly they often fought off other shepherds because most of the sheep herds in Jesus's day did something uh, practice something called free grazing anybody know what i mean when i say that means they didn't have a sheep ranch that they stayed on. They had national land that they would literally just kind of roam around and let the sheep eat. Well, what happens when you got your sheep on this nice green patch and this other shepherd comes up, he wants his sheep to eat on that green patch. So he's going to try to drive off. What do you got to do? You got to go beat that guy up and get a winner rid of him. There's no cops to call in this day and age. There's, there's no GPS. There's, you can't video it with your phone, you know. You've got a staff, he's got a staff. Whoever can't get up is the one whose sheep is going to be gone at the end. Why why do I go so long and say that? It's to these people that God sends an angel to announce peace. In the Christmas story, you often have these oxymorons. To the bruisers of society, he sends angels to speak of peace. Because these men, more than any other men in the the country, hungered so desperately for peace. I'm sure they didn't like it. Waking up every day, not knowing if they'd have to get in a fight that day. It reminds me of when I was talking with Don Shilly about when he was a police officer for California. He said, "I never." He said, "I was nervous every day. I was fearful every not fearful, but I mean nervous and concerned." You know, every day I'd never know. I could be fighting some guy, could be in a shootout, I could be in the you know, it was a good it was a good job, but it was a job. It was you knew what you're getting into. You might have to take care of business. That's what these folks were in. So when the angel came and said, The Prince of Peace is coming, that perked their attention. That got them thinking, These tough single men, probably without children who lived by a killer be killed code. It was a notion they could barely believe. I think it's a notion we barely believe. Because we so often lose those inner battles of peace, we wonder if peace is even attainable. Let me, we'll go back to the story here in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. It says here, beginning in verse 8, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. For today in the town of David a Savior has been born to you and he is the Messiah. He's the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts. One angel's enough to freak them out. Can you imagine a whole sky filled with them? appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on whom his favor rests. Notice the first words spoken to the shepherds. This is key. If you remember nothing else, remember this. The angel said to the shepherds, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Lack of peace often has to do with an overabundance of fear. Where in your life do you have an overabundance of fear? I can tell you, don't have a lack of peace. If that's, wherever wherever that overabundance of fear may be for you, that's where the peace is leaking out of your life, probably faster than you can get it sometimes. We fight because we're afraid. We quarrel because we're afraid. We argue because we're afraid. So the first words spoken over the shepherds, and I believe to us today, are do not be afraid. Though you may be facing a painful situation, do not be afraid. Though you may be facing an unfavorable diagnosis, do not be afraid. Though you may be struggling to restore a relationship, do not be afraid. Maybe you're anxious about circumstances you cannot change and you cannot control. God still says, do not be afraid. You ever have somebody come up to you and say, I have good news for you and I have bad news for you, right? I hate it when people do that. Because what's the inevitable question that comes next? Which one do you want to hear first, right? You know, And how many of you almost always you pick the bad news first so you can end on a good note, right? Come on, lift your hand. Did bad news first and then a good note right how many of you are like give me the good stuff first and, and if it's that good I really won't care about the bad how you know you're that person all right I hate that question and one time I was with somebody and they were asked that question I was helping them out in church and they' they're just like Pastor Ken I've got good news and I've got bad news which news do you want first And this was Pastor Ken's response I love it he said, Well, the good news is that I already have God's favor. So it doesn't matter which news you share first. If I got the favor of God, it's all going to be okay. I love it. The next time somebody says, do you want the good news or the bad news? Say, you know what? I got the grace of God in my life. It doesn't matter which one you share first. That's essentially what he said. (laughs) And so he said, you know, the good news is no matter what. When the favor of God rests on you, you can go forward knowing you haven't been forgotten by God. That God hasn't abandoned you. Some moments when everything's going good and you're happy and things like that, we can tend to think, oh, I'm good. Don't even need to worry about the peace of God because I got the peace of everything. But life will throw you moments where the peace gets sucked out right away. And the fear rises. And it's in that moment, I want you to think about the three pieces. The first piece is comes out of Romans 5.1. There's the peace with God. This is the peace you get when you make Jesus your God. When you say, you know what? Lots of different religious options out there. I'm going to pick one and I pick Jesus. Now the Holy Spirit will obviously show you that Jesus is the way. And you come before Jesus, you convert to Christianity, you make him your Lord and Savior, and you receive the forgiveness of your sins, and you receive the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 5 one says you now have peace with God from that moment forward throughout all eternity. Even if you struggle with sin, you have peace with God throughout all eternity. That peace is not based on what you do. It's based on what Jesus has already done on the cross. Then there's the peace from God. That's what we're talking about today. It's the peace that God gives you in the midst of the storm. John 14, 27 says, The peace I leave you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The world can only give us a temporary reprieve from our problems. But when we get peace from God, that is relief consistently every moment of our existence, even throughout all eternity. And then finally, there's the peace of God. It's a peace that you dwell in even if your circumstances aren't all perfect at the moment. You know, the storm's going, the waterfalls, this and that, this rock, I, you know, things are kind of shucking and jiving and shaking. But I have the peace of God. I'm going to keep going. And tomorrow's going to come, and the sun is going to rise. And somehow, some way, even if I have to do a little endure a little bit of suffering, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. If you have a discussion sheet, go ahead and pull it out and just flip it real quick. And I'm going to give you four quick points. And then we're going to close with, with uh, a Christmas carol again. Point number one is this. Peace is found in the presence of God. Peace is found in the presence of God. Now, let me tell you something. I'm not incredibly old. I'm 47. But when I was 44, I preached on this subject with the Gifts of the Spirit series. Some of you were here then. Uh, It was in 2018. And when I preached that series, I gave you the definition of peace. I said, peace is the absence of inner conflict and i i mean i I stood by that preached it loved it and you know what the problem is i was wrong i tell you that right it happens thank you mark (laughs) i was wrong i'm sorry if for the last three years you have taken that as your definition of peace yes that is a portion of it that is an understanding of it that is one way to see it but let's face it you can still have peace in the midst of conflict peace is not dependent upon the absence of conflict why because my new definition of this peace is the presence peace is the presence when i look for areas of my life where i am distant from god there's a few i need to work on i can tell you right now I, the way, how I know that I'm distant from God enough, I don't have peace in those areas. It's not that I'm like fighting with God, but there's there's a lack of faith in certain areas. I don't have peace in those areas. So I need to get the presence of God into those areas. It pushes out the fear and all of a sudden I'm living in peace. I'm not arguing with people. I'm not fighting with people. I'm not criticizing people. I'm not talking about them behind their back. why? Because the peace of God is there. And when the peace of God and the presence of God are there, all of a sudden the worry and anxiety and fear gets drained out by the confident assurance and the presence of God. Pick one. Pick one of the biggies. Finances. Can going to be a lot of lack of peace this time of year in finances. And believe me, when people get freaked out about finances, they can start being mean to other people. Husbands and wives, kids, co-workers, friends, even me. What we need to do is merge the presence of God where the lack of peace is. It drives out the fear and worry. And we are left with a confident, joyous faith that even if everything isn't worked out yet, God's got this. And I can live in the peace of God with him. Amen? Number two, we can be our own worst enemy. Sometimes someone will come in for a pastoral care appointment, and I'm listening to them. And they're talking about how all these other people are horrible. How, you know, this person didn't do this, the pastor didn't do this, da da da, 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 da da da. And after about fifteen minutes as I'm feeling their spirit, I can tell, you know what? The problem isn't all of them. The problem's you. How you say that to somebody? You gotta be I just don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let somebody else. That's what their husband is for. That's what their wife is. For. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is the hardest thing to realize: that we can be our own worst enemy. We can create the storms. We can create the fighting. We can breed, con- breathe out conflict like we breathe out air. You know, when 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 we're when we're swirling in pride in some area of our lives, or when we're greedy and our appetites get the best of us it's just it's amazing how people come and they're like i need to talk about this person because they're so horrible and i'm kind of listening like what that person's doing i'm like well i don't know if that that person said that to you i kind of think that person's saying the right thing you know i mean it becomes very very difficult when we start fighting and quarreling You know what one of the first things that happens is? We go blind. Remember the thing, what did Jesus say? Take, I always get this wrong. Take the plank, right? That's a big piece of wood out of your own eye before you attempt to take the speck out of another person's eye. What's Jesus saying? We can get so blind when it comes to our criticism and our judgmentalism and all those other things that cause these wars and fights among us. And so, sometimes we can be our own worst enemy. In Bethlehem, there's a church called the Church of the Nativity. And uh, it's a beautiful church. I've been there twice. Uh, actually, when I say beautiful, it's a very humble church. Uh, if you've ever been there, to get into the church, you have to, like, crawl in. The door is only three and a half feet tall. The reason why they built the door so small is is when the Europeans uh, began to travel uh, like they did in the, ni- in the 18th and 19th centuries, uh, these English nobles and English kings, they would not dismount before coming into the church. So they would ride their horse right into the church, look around, try to see the place that Jesus was born, and they wouldn't dismount. Their, their people would dismount, but they would stay mounted as sort of a, a, a sign of royalty. Well, this really irked the priests who were taking care of the church. So what they did was brilliant. They got brick and mortar. They mortared up the door. So now the door is only three and a half feet tall. Do You know what you got to do to get into the church at Bethlehem? You have to bow. You have to bow. There's a lesson in that story if you think about it. Sometimes we have to get off our high horse. To get into the presence of God. Number three. Turn your problems. Into prayers. What what do you all have to pray about? Everything. That's a good answer. <laughs> if you can't think of anything. Then just start thinking about your problems. That's a good place to start. Uh, when we begin to channel. That negative energy. Into our own anger, our own desire for retribution, our own desire for vengeance, or our own desire to give that person a piece of our mind. We haven't turned that problem into a prayer. We've turned that problem into a nightmare. Some days, I wake up, usually the first day I'm really working. First day of my work week's today, but tomorrow. Let's kind of write it down. God, who are some people, if I were to be really honest, I don't like them right now. I may smile at them and hug them at church. No, I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> you're all going to go home thinking, was at me today? No. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about, right? You know what I'm talking about. You don't like them and they don't know it. And 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 you're secretly, you know, hypocritical with them. You know, what what are some things I've said? What are some problems I'm facing? What are some debts i got to overcome? What's some health challenges? What's some diet things I need to change? What are my problems? Just turn them into prayers. Say, you know what, God? I ain't Superman. I need your help. I humble myself and say, will you help me with my diet this week? Will you help me spend a little less money this week? Will you help me be nice to the people you bring into my life this week. Will you help me to love my wife this week? Will you help me to not beat on my kids this week? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're not. Will you Will you help me? Just begin to turn those problems into prayers. You know what happens? When you're tempted to go the wrong way, God reminds you of the prayer. Hey, remember, we prayed about this. Oh, yeah, you're right. There's just something about turning your problems into prayers that will help you live with a greater sense of victory. And then finally, last point, ask the Holy Spirit to tear down the wall between you and God. You may say, whoa, man, you really went deep with that last point. (sighs) When we get mad, when we get angry, when we become our own worst enemy, when we stay on that high horse, or when life circumstances happen for years, for years you've struggled emotionally, for years you've struggled financially. For years, you've struggled relationally, maybe with a person or lots of people. For years, decades in the making, you've had things picking at your life. Nine times out of ten, it builds a wall between you and God. So much so that you can't see the forest through the trees anymore. You're not even sure who God is. You just know what he hasn't done for you for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And I can't answer why God does or doesn't do something in your life. I'm not God, and it is up to him. But I can say this. You can face that problem with a wall between you and God, or you can face that problem with the presence of God with you. When that wall is there, there's you on one side and the peace and presence of God on the other. You've just made it worse for yourself, whatever it is you're facing. Ask the Holy Spirit. You know what, God? In this issue of my life, I have a wall between us. may not be every issue. There's lots of areas me and God are just fine. But if I were to be honest, there's a few. I may not even have a full wall yet, but I have a half wall. And it's getting a little higher every year. The prayer you may need to pray before you go to bed tonight is this. God, I need you to tear down the wall that's separating us in this area of my life. Because I need your peace. There was a man by the name of Alan McCutcheon. He lived in the great state of... Pennsylvania. Ray and Melissa are from Pennsylvania. Alan McCutcheon was outside of his house putting up Christmas lights. Many of you have just done this recently. He was pulling a string apart to get it all the way apart on his front lawn when all of a sudden he heard a car jump the curve and was coming straight for him. He jumped out of the way, narrowly missing the car. The car rolls past him and barrels into his house. It was his ex-girlfriend. And she was trying to kill him. Yeah. The cops come. And they haul her off. It's attempted vehicular homicide. You go to jail for that. He's sitting there scratching his head. Of course, we don't know the situation. Maybe he was a real turdball. Who knows? (laughs) Not saying that it's worthy of death, but I mean, you know. But the news reporter, if you watch the news report, she said in a very smug tone, so much for peace and goodwill to everybody. If you really look at the story God doesn't promise peace to everybody if you build a wall between yourself and God you won't have peace on the other side if you go against God you won't have peace in it God doesn't promise a blanket peace to everybody if you really look at the scripture the peace of God rests on those whom his favor rests that's the scripture that's the scripture in Luke 2. I'll reread it for you. Where is it? It says, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Don't you want to be one of those on whom God's favor rests? Okay, It's very easy because it's not based on anything you can do. Save one thing. Humble yourself before Jesus. Ask him to forgive you. And ask you to pour, ask him to pour his grace upon you. And now you just have access to peace. Now you have that access to peace. You know that's why pagans used to sacrifice their children. We think they were just idiots. Well, they were idiots. They're far worse than idiots. They're murderers. They sacrificed their children. Because they were taught by those pagan priests, if you do this, you will appease the God and you will have peace. So they would sacrifice their children in order to get peace. You know what the beauty of Jesus is? We don't have to kill anybody to get God's peace. Somebody already died so that we could have peace. Peace. And his name is Jesus. The only thing we have to kill to get peace is our own pride. And you can spend the rest of your life trying to kill that beast. Or you can ask God to kill it for you. People can only give a temporary peace. Peace is not found in people. Peace is found in a person. The person of Jesus Christ. The Prince of Peace.